Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Don't we have the best kids story team? I think I've mentioned this before, but I was already ripping their stories off before I even came here. <laughs> I mean, borrowed, not ripping, borrowed without asking. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, uh, for, for our uh, kids story team. Uh, we appreciate you. Thank you. Let's begin with prayer. Father in heaven, as we continue our series, Lord and Matthew, be with us in Jesus name. Amen. All right. Anybody know who uh, Tia and Tamara Maori are? Okay, some of you. Those of you who answered are probably older because, well, you got to be a little older to know who they are, right? Well, if you grew up in the 80s or 90s, you know that they were stars of the uh, WB show, Sister, Sister. And when they were, I believe they were 19 years old, they were being interviewed um, and I don't remember what the exact question was, but uh, one of them responded with, a lot of girls expect this prince to come into their life as a, white, as a white horse and make everything wonderful. And yet what the Lord told me is, first, you have to get right with me, and then I will send the right person. Obviously, you know, when you're talking, uh, when you're 19, you generally talk about, you know, boys and girls. And, and here... You know, this comment actually isn't so much about dating as far as what I took from it, but more of actually the, the proper approach in life. Seek first the kingdom of heaven, and all of these things will be added to you. In the book of Matthew, depending on the version, I think in the, in the King James Version, the kingdom of heaven is mentioned 32 times. Uh, this idea of kingdom is a major narrative, a major theme that as you read the book of Matthew just jumps out. Now, before Bill talked about basically the, the fulfillment of the Old Testament that, of the Messiah that would come, we last week we talked about uh, the Messiah being the, the divine king, and a king cannot rule unless a king has a kingdom. God has the kingdom of heaven. And in the book of Matthew, Matthew is, is centered around this theme of the good news, all right? The book of Matthew is centered around the good news of the kingdom of heaven. And just real quickly, in Matthew 4, 23, it says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and disease among the people. In 9.35, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of heaven, and dealing and healing every disease and sickness. And then finally, in 2414, it says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. What do these three verses have in common? Anybody? They're in the book of Matthew. 
Yes. There's an element of teaching, of preaching, and of healing. In fact, even, uh, you know, when Jesus gives the, uh, his mission statement uh, of what he is calling the disciples to do is to, in Matthew 28, to teach, preach, baptize, to make disciples. And in line with this idea of the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ to be shared throughout all of the world. Now, Matthew uses the kingdom of heaven. If you look to, uh, to Mark and Luke, they tend to use the kingdom of God. And basically they're synonyms, but Matthew is, is writing to a, a Jewish uh, audience. And if you were a good Jew, you didn't even want to mention the word God, so he changes it to heaven. They have such a reverence for God to even think about saying God's name. It's like, eh, let's, let's call it the kingdom of heaven. Now, George Knight, which, by the way, i got to give credit uh, a bunch of what I'm going to be talking about. I'm basically borrowing from him. But he says, the good news is that the reign or the rule of God has arrived in history through the presence of Jesus. Amen? And so last week, we talked about Jesus being the Messiah, Jesus, God, coming down from heaven to earth. Jesus was amongst his people. He teached, he preached, he healed. And yet this kingdom that he talks about, is this kingdom present or is it future? Oftentimes when we think about the kingdom of heaven, we always think about the future, all going to heaven, right? But in Matthew's gospel, the kingdom is not just future. The kingdom is both present and future. Now, we're going to go through a couple of verses uh, quickly as well. And, you know, it didn't strike me that this concept until I was, I was you know, I was in college and, and then really thinking about it. It really hit me as I was preaching on the Lord's Prayer. In fact, let's go to, let's go to Matthew 6. Let's go to Matthew 6. 9 and 10. Okay. All right, we all there? All right. So it says, this then is how you should pray. This is the beginning. Jesus is, is teaching his disciples to pray. And right off the bat, it says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The adoration. And then Jesus follows up with, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You think about that. What's, what's Jesus telling us? What's Jesus asking us to pray for? Do a little dialogue. Spit some answers out. What do you think? What do you think Jesus is trying to say here? He's what? He's on earth? Right. So should we not live here on earth as we live, should live in heaven? 
All right, so if we're going to be, if we're to live <laughs> now here on earth as we should live in heaven, how, what would that look like? Oh, some of us are thinking, I got to change some of the words I say, right? Or I think, maybe I should change my driving. Thank you, Gustavo. Oh, Lord. I should probably change my diet a little bit. Should probably think a little bit uh, more positive thoughts. Now, look, let's let's be real, okay? We we live on earth and we we are <laughs> we are sinners. Yet Jesus is saying, when you pray, may your lives reflect how we should live, not only in heaven, but now. And. and and so your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, there's another passage later on in chapter 12, Matthew 12, 28. Let's go to Matthew 12. And, and um, we're going to actually read it a little bit uh, more. I, but the, the, the first, the, the main verse that I want you to, to reflect on is Matthew 28, where it says, but if it is by the spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. But let's go, let's go look at this picture, uh, this, this verse in context. Now, Matthew 12, verse 22. Just prior to this, Matthew includes um, a description. He, he quotes Isaiah, and it's a reference to the Messiah, uh, a, a servant. And unfortunately, Jesus when he was here on earth, unfortunately, he encountered conflict. And it was usually the Pharisees and the Sadducees that gave him some grief. And so after he uh, 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 has been dealing with them, yet again, they come back. And uh, in verse 22, then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. And Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. Now, if somebody who is blind and cannot talk and then is all of a sudden able to do so, what would your natural response be? You would be like, whoa! Or in Keanu Reeves, whoa. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and they all were wondering, could this be the son of David? We talked again about the Messiah last week. The Messiah came from the line of David, right? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Man, the Pharisees were haters. I don't think I could stand to be around them if they're going to act like that. Something that is good is try, they're trying to turn it into evil. They're trying to discredit Jesus. And so Jesus responds with, um, he knew their thoughts in verse 25 and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your people drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, 
then the kingdom has come down upon you. Jesus is talking about this in the present context. Or in verse 29, it says, or how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. See, the Pharisees are trying to discredit Jesus, his his whole uh, ministry, because they're a threat to their livelihood, their authority. We've talked a little bit about this in the past. And yet Jesus says, "Uh -uh. no, 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 no. There's many, many passages, and we're going to, we're going to get into them even more. I don't want to give it away, but, uh, well, let's just say Matthew 13, Matthew 18. Uh, it talks about how we should live in the kingdom of heaven. Okay. In the next couple of weeks, when we talk about discipleship, especially, and when we talk about eschatology, all right, the future, we'll be talking more about this kingdom of heaven. So the kingdom is not just in the future, something that we should be awaiting for, but it is now. To me, that's a beautiful thought and that's a beautiful idea because why, why should we wait to live for something in the future when we can live now? And when Jesus' idea, this, math, this idea in, in Matthew, the whole premise of being centered around the good news, to teach, to proclaim, and to heal. Why do we wait and not just practice these things now that others may know and they may find peace, they may find joy, they may find redemption? Mm. And yet not just present, but also the future. Let's go to Matthew chapter 20. Let's go to Matthew 20. And rather than, I've listed these verses so uh, you can, you know, if you got the forms or if you're going to be online, you can watch these. You can always have a reference. That's why I included this. But but we're going to look at the bigger context. Um, But these are the key verses to understand. Now, in Matthew 20, uh, (laughs) talked a little bit about this too in the past. Just as a reminder, the mother of Zebedee's sons. Who are Zebedee's sons? James and John, right? Some of the first disciples that Jesus called. And, and as well, James and John, along with Peter, you know, you have the, the 12 disciples, but then you have a smaller circle of James, John, and Peter that Jesus is, is probably closer to. So in verse 29, verse 20, mom came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. Now, right off the bat, I wonder what James and John are thinking when their mom tells them to come with her and they go to Jesus. What's mom going to say? You ever had that experience before where your mom's leading you and maybe you don't know what she's going to say and they're going to talk to somebody? Oh, Jesus responds with, what is it you want? She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at the left in your what? In your kingdom. Whose kingdom? Jesus' kingdom. Right? Talking about the future because Jesus, apparently in their eyes, he doesn't have his kingdom yet. But one day, they know that Jesus has been talking about this kingdom of heaven 
And, and, you know, I wondered, did they ask mom to ask Jesus for this spot? Possible. Now, we'll talk a little bit about maybe why they did that. Motivation. And, and Jesus responds with, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? And they said, we can. And Jesus responds with, yeah, you will indeed drink from my cup. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom have been prepared by my father. Now, what do you think happens when the other 10 find out what um, Mrs. Zebedee did? Was it met with positivity and joyful reception? What do you think you guys are doing? Why do you guys think you're so special? So when, in the verse 24, when the 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. I just love that word, indignant. And Jesus called them together and said, you know, the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you, you must, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There's a couple of things here that we can take from this. So, We've talked about present kingdom of heaven. Now we're talking about future kingdom of heaven. James and John's mom asked, hey, can my boys sit at your left and right? And, and Jesus says, that's up to the father. Okay, my father. And, and, and prior to this, the disciples had kind of been squabbling about who's going to have the best seat. Even as much time as they spent with Jesus, they were arguing over who's going to have a spot in the pecking order. Now, I have to admit, we probably all at some point want to be in the top spot, right? We want the best seat. We want to be close to have influence. Maybe we'll have some authority but Jesus turns this whole paradigm of authority and spots and positions upside down. And one of the examples if, of the kingdom of heaven, the people that are going to be in the kingdom of heaven, what's one of the traits that Jesus is basically spelling out for them? Humility. To be a servant. Now, there's plenty of servants in, in, in a kingdom, right? You could look at it that way, especially in, in the in in times past, but why would God want a servant? And Jesus is actually alluding to the fact of, oh, you guys are going to serve me for sure. Probably not in the way that you're going to expect it. Your lives are not going to end in the way that you probably will not want it to be. But yet these were faithful men. They'd walked with Jesus for three years. <clears throat> As servants in the kingdom, we're called to humility. Now, if you, if you cross-check a few verses, um, I think it's, uh, if you go to, I think it's Matthew 27, 56, Mark 15, 40, uh, and John 19, 25, you realize that Mrs. Zebedee, her name is Salome, who's also the sister of Mary. So Sa Sa Salome, I don't know how to pronounce her name, 
possible that she was Jesus' aunt. And James and John were his cousins. When you have a little bit of that family blood together, you think perhaps maybe you get in with your cousin or your nephew, right? But the mark of uh, the citizens of the kingdom of heaven are that of those who are called to serve. So citizens in the kingdom of heaven called to serve. When you look through Matthew 24 and 25, it talks about um, the destruction of the temple and the hour, day and hour of when God is going to come is, is not known. There's also the parable of the ten virgins. There's also the parable of the, <clears throat> the, the servants who, who were to take care of the talents or the gold, right? We talked about this not too long ago in our, in our stewardship series. And then at the last, to close in, in, in Matthew 25, is the parable of the sheep and goats. All of these parables, uh, or at least in, in, in Matthew 25, talk about serving and serving one another. So, kingdom of heaven is not only present, but also future. But this is also beautiful because Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is the rule of our hearts in the present and the future. We follow God not in the future, but now. Amen? And because of that, God can lead and guide us in all aspects of our lives. To be led by God is one of the most beautiful things the best things that we can do. And although the journey is sometimes it's not always easy, it's going to have its ups and downs, it's going to have its challenges, and things are going to happen. I have only known joy, well, <laughs> there's been hardship following God. <laughs> um, but at least I know that I am not alone. And also because of not just in my walk with God, but I have a community here that I can lean on. And that's one of the beautiful things that we have together as brothers and sisters of Christ. The kingdom of heaven is here literally in this building because we are called to come together as brothers and sisters to serve and to worship and to provide an opportunity to be with like-minded individuals. So the question that I want to ask and something that we talked a little bit about is, uh, is the life you are living now, is the life you are living now reflect how you want to live in the future? <laughs> it's a good portion, but I still think that there are things even now in my life that I know I have to surrender. It's a walk with God daily and the Holy Spirit shaping and molding or, or like the, the artist who's, who's chipping away the stone to make this beautiful creation that God has called us to. How can you serve others? Now, um, Bill, were you able to get the picture up? All right. Do you want to see a picture of me from 20 years ago? It's not bad. It's just, it's like, wow, okay. 
Guess how much uh, lighter I was there back then? I was 60 pounds lighter right there. Now, um, I was about 20 uh, when this picture was taken. And um, the guy on the left, um, name's Dwayne. When I was 14 or 15, I was told, I was in the early teens class, I needed to move up to the high school class because um, I had graduated out age-wise. <laughs> and yet I wanted to stay in early teens with my friends. And uh, I said, fine. So I went to the youth group. When I got to the youth group, Dwayne came up and he said, hello, my name is Dwayne. Welcome. Dwayne's, uh, let's see, I was 14 and I think he was 18 at the time. He welcomed me in and he provided, um, I felt good because I wasn't alone. You know, prior to, it seemed like I'd always been the oldest person and I always had to be responsible. But Dwayne, filled that kind of older brother perspective in life. Dwayne was also the guy who helped me get a job to work at Camp Cedar Falls. Because of that, I was able to meet Lisa, the love of my life. And he was also my boss. He was the boys director at the time. And Dwayne, during this time mentored me how to be a leader, especially I think about the times when, you know, when you first start, it's like your first real job. I had a lawn mowing business before this, but to, to work with others and work in an organization, he showed a lot of grace. And when I would request things that I didn't think through all that, we, I worked with somebody who, um, let's just say, didn't have the best intentions and used me to try to get what he wanted. And, uh, you know, I was so naive and innocent back then. Oh, I still probably am to a degree. But with grace, he mentored and showed me how to do things the right way. I remember um, putting shingles on the sides of the, the, the flower cabins Dwayne has always exuded love. He sang well. He always taught well. When he had to, he took, he brought in family and cared for them. Because of him, I probably would not be here as a pastor because uh, I was able to meet people who helped vouch for me to become a pastor eventually. Dwayne led with grace, with love. I, don't, I can't think of a bad thing to say about him. He loved to have fun. Earlier this week on Wednesday, um, Lisa woke me up and mentioned that he had passed. My first thought was, why? 
Why God? Why him? Why did you allow one of your best servants to go? I don't know. What I do know, though, is he was faithful. He looked forward to the kingdom, but he knew one of the things about Duane was he wanted to be the best servant for God, not just in the future, but now. And he lived by what he spoke. He wasn't a perfect guy, but ultimately, I really, you know, as I was reflecting, it's like I wasn't planning on sharing this up until this morning. But I realized as I was reflecting, it's like, man, in many ways, because of Dwayne, I'm a better follower of Jesus. I learned so many lessons from him. And it's somebody that I want to emulate moving forward. And one of the things that I want to ask you as well, who is that person in your life that has been a mentor, can learn and grow from? Take those lessons. Jesus is calling people to live with humility, to be mentors, to be leaders, and to serve for the kingdom. Paul puts it best that he's... Uh, there, uh, it, you. We are messengers. We are ambassadors for Christ. And so, my question: How can you serve as an ambassador? How can you serve as a messenger for Christ to bring healing that God can reconcile this world? May you lead with love, grace, empathy, courage. May God bless you. May we be the ambassadors God has called us for the kingdom of heaven. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to, God, just be able to be here to worship with freedom. So many times I, I take it for granted that we can just come here and the fact that Lord, we have AC. We have a family that truly loves each other. Thank you, Lord. And I pray, God, that daily when we wake up, as we pray, help us, Lord, to know how to bless, be a blessing to others. And that may we reflect the kingdom principles that you've called us to live by and to be a representative for you, not just in the future, Lord, because we long for and, and know you will come back. But until that day, may we live now as you want us to live in the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace, everybody. I love you all.